0: Pretty says, no, I just fully lose my mind on an entire jar of pepperoncinis. (laughs) You're picturing correctly, pickled from the jar. Yeah, okay, so that's so wild. Uh, We have to leave this conversation now so that we uh, sort of maintain some sense of dignity for ourselves, if not for Proteus Spade. Proteus Spade, we're going to leave you behind. I'm sorry. Um, Everybody, chapters... 9 and 10, which means we have to do a bit of review for chapters uh, 7 and 8. Chapter 7, The House of Tom Bombadil, and Chapter 8, Fog on the Barrow Downs. Last time on Flying Sidecar. Thank you all so much for joining me. My name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories, and this is Flying Sidecar. This is a voice actor's venture through some stories that we all love, and last time we ventured through The House of Tom Bombadil and the Barrow Downs. So chapter seven we've just been rescued we being uh us the hobbits i guess we being the hobbits uh tom Bombadil, this very strange man uh who traipses through the forest and sings uh he's got his wife um uh, Goldberry, who uh, s- hangs out at home, and uh, the two of them seem to be much, much more than meet the eye. We are—we sort of watch as they seem to have some sort of dominion over the trees here and the rain. Um, not entirely over the weather. We—we we are told that there is sort of a limit to their power, but perhaps not to their age. Over time, we learned that this strange fellow who rescued the hobbits from Old Man Willow, this tree that was trying to ed them up. We find that Tom Bombadil is an ancient being who has been here since before the hobbits settled, before the kingdoms rose and fall in the barrows, uh, even before the elves arrived here, which we know is like deep ancient history by this point. In fact, he goes ahead and just throws the ring on his finger and it doesn't do a thing to him, doesn't tempt him, doesn't make him disappear. He can also see Frodo after Frodo puts the ring on himself. Whatever Tom Bombadil is, He's an anomaly. Very, very strange. Uh, But the Hobbits are happy to have him because, of course, he saves them from Old Man Willow. And as they depart, um, he saves them once more. They have to pass through the Barrow Downs. These are um, these big, sort of ancient hills, essentially, uh, upon which kingdoms of men once stood. And yet, those kingdoms have been reduced to a few standing stones. And as they pass through, they find that the place is not altogether abandoned. The spirits of some of these uh, avaricious kings have lingered here and form Barrow Whites, W-I-G-H-T-S. Um, not W-H-I-T-E-S, but but Barrow W-I-G-H-T-S. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Barrow Whites, uh, who try to perform some ritual after separating the hobbits and then knocking them out and then collecting them into one of these mounds under the ground and piling them with treasure. One of these Barrow Whites, all we see of them is a hand creeping around the corner, which is once again some of the creepiest imagery that I've seen in writing. Creeping around the corner, trying to grab this sword that's across the hobbits throats and I assume cut them down all in one fell blow. It chants about the dying moon and and uh, 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 about what sort of power that it will gain. And then Frodo remembers he's got a call. He's got sort of a bat signal he can send up for. He's got a he's got a Bombadil beacon. <laughs> he's got a bombadil beacon um and so he sings this song this bombadil beacon and tom bombadil once more shows up singing as he does and rescues them once more he says look uh stuff is so wild for you hobbits i'm gonna accompany you to the road you gotta get yourselves to brie I have to get myself myself home, but you have to get yourself to Bree. Um, this is, of course, where they had intended to... This is sort of a, a secondary position wherein they might have met with Gandalf, assuming he is here. But is Gandalf here? Are we going to finally be met up with Gandalf? Um, well, we shall find out. But as I mentioned before... I really love these chapters because this is when it officially, this is the, this is uh, session one of so, so many uh, D&D sessions, uh, uh, D&D adventures um, with with taverns and rumors and just trying to get a room for the night. But all of the various complications that come up uh, as dark forces do their work and as eyes in the darkness uh, peer out at our adventurers, what will become of them? Pretty spade says Sauron looks through, sees a weird blue eye, and a beardy guy grinning ominously. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Hey, uh, yeah, for for whatever reason, I had it, I've got it like lodged in my mind now that Forrest Whitaker would make an excellent Tom Bombadil. Uh, assuming he can still like gamble around. <laughs> assuming that the dancing still agrees with him. I know uh Forrest Whitaker is is uh, getting older. He's been he's been making incredible films for quite a long time, and so yeah, I don't know why, but Forrest Whitaker seems like my guy for this um um i could also see idris elba thank you Soph. idris elba yes very much so uh yeah i feel like idris elba can make a great one too um but yeah forest forest whitaker i think is my guy for this all right folks (laughs) everybody i hope you're excited let's delve now back into middle earth off to the prancing pony Thank mm-hmm. Chapter 9 At the Sign of the Prancing Pony Bree was the chief village of the Bree Land, a small inhabited region like an island in the empty lands round about. Besides Bree itself, there was Staddle on the other side of the hill, Combe in a deep valley a little further eastward, and Archit on the edge of the Chetwood. Lying round Bree Hill and the villages was a small country of fields and tamed woodland only a few miles broad. The men of Breland were brown-haired, broad, and rather short, cheerful, and independent. They belonged to nobody but themselves, and they were more friendly and familiar with hobbits, dwarves, elves, and other inhabitants of their world about them than what is usual with the big people. According to their own tales, they were the original inhabitants, and were the descendants of the first men that ever wandered into the west of the Middle World few had survived the turmoils of the elder days but when the kings returned again over the great sea they found the Bree men still there and they were still there now when the memory of the old kings had faded into the grass in those days no other men had settled in the dwellings so far west or within a hundred leagues of the shire but in the wild lands beyond Bree there were mysterious wanderers the Bree folk called them rangers and knew nothing of their origin They were taller and darker than the men of Bree, and were believed to have had strange powers of sight and hearing, and to understand the languages of beasts and birds. They roamed at will southwards and eastwards, even as far as the Misty Mountains, but they were now few and rarely seen. When they appeared, they brought news from afar and told strange forgotten tales which were eagerly listened to, but the Bree folk did not make friends of them. There were also many families of hobbits in the Bree land, and they claimed to be the oldest settlements of hobbits in the world, one that was founded long before even the Brandywine was crossed and the Shire colonized. They lived mostly in Staddle, though there were some in Bree itself, especially in the higher slopes of the hill above the houses of the men. The big folk and the little folk, as they called one another, were on friendly terms, minding their own affairs and their own ways, but both rightly regarding themselves as necessary parts of the Bree folk. Nowhere else in the world was this peculiar but excellent arrangement to be found. The Bree folk, big and little, did not themselves travel much, and the affairs of the four villages were their chief concern. Occasionally the hobbits of Bree went as far as Buckland or the East Farthing, but though their link land was not much further than a day's riding east of the Brandywine Bridge, the hobbits of the Shire now seldom visited it. An occasional bucklander or adventurous Took would come out to the inn for a night or two, but even that was becoming less and less usual. The Shire Hobbits referred to those of Bree, and to any others that lived beyond the borders, as outsiders, and took very little interest in them, considering them dull and uncouth. There were probably many more outsiders scattered about in the west of the world in those days than the people of the Shire imagined. Some, doubtless, were no better than tramps, ready to dig a hole in any bank and stay only as long as it suited them. But in the Bree land, at any rate, the hobbits were decent and prosperous, and no more rustic than most of their distant relatives inside. It was not yet forgotten that there had been a time when there was much coming and going between the Shire and Bree. There was Bree blood in the Brandy bucks by all accounts. The village of Brie had some hundred stone houses of the big folk, mostly above the road, nestled in the hillside with windows looking west. On that side, running in more than half a circle from the hill and back to it, there was a deep dyke with a thick hedge on the inner side. Over this the road crossed by a causeway, but where it pierced the hedge it was barred by a great gate. There was another gate in the southern corner where the road ran out of the village. The gates were closed at nightfall, but just inside them were the small lodges for the gatekeepers. Down on the road, where it swept to the right to go round the foot of the hill, there was a large inn. It had been built long ago, and the traffic on the roads had been far greater, for Bree stood at an old meeting of ways. Another ancient road crossed the east road just outside the dyke at the western edge of the village, and in former days, men and other folk of various sorts had traveled much on it. Strange news from Bree was still a saying in the East Farthing, descended from those days when news from north, south, and east could be heard in the inn, and when the shire hobbits used to go more often to hear it. But the northern lands had long been desolate, and the north road was now seldom used. It was grass-grown, and the Bree folk called it the Greenway. The inn of Bree was still there, however, and the innkeeper was an important person. His house was a meeting-place for the idle, talkative, and inquisitive among the inhabitants, large and small of the four villages, and a resort of rangers and other wanderers, and for such travellers, mostly dwarves, as still journeyed in the east road, to and from the mountains. It was dark, and white stars were shining, when Frodo and his companions came at last to the greenway crossing and drew near to the village. They came to the west gate and found it shut, but at the door of the lodge beyond it there was a man sitting. He jumped up and fetched a lantern and looked over the gate at them in surprise.
1: "'What do you want, and where do you come from?'
0: he asked gruffly. "'We're making for the inn here,' answered Frodo. "'We're journeying east and cannot go further tonight.' "'Hobbits?' Four hobbits, and what's more out of the shire by their talk?' said the gamekeeper, softly, as if to himself. He stared at them darkly for a moment, and then slowly opened the gate and let them ride through.
1: "'I don't often see shire folk riding on the road at night,'
0: he went on, as they halted a moment by his door. "'You pardon my wondering, but uh, what business takes you away east of Bree?' "'And what may your names be, if I might ask?' "'Our names and our business are our own, "'and this does not seem a good place to discuss them,' said Frodo, "'not liking the look of the man or the tone of his voice. "'Your business is your own, no doubt,' said the man. "'But it's my business to ask questions after nightfall. "'We're hobbits from Buckland, "'and we've got a fancy to travel and to stay at the inn here,' put in Merry. "'I'm Mr. Brandybuck.' That enough for you? The brief folk used to be first spoken to travellers, or so I'd heard. All right, all right, said the man. I meant no offense, but you'll find maybe that more folk than old Harry at the gate will be asking you questions. There's queer folk about. If you go on to the pony you'll find you're not the only guests. He wished them good night and they said no more. But Frodo could see in the lantern light that the man was still eyeing them curiously. He was glad to hear the gate clank behind them as they rode forward. He wondered why the man was so suspicious and whether anyone had been asking for news of a party of hobbits. Could it have been Gandalf? He might have arrived while they were delayed in the forest and the downs. But mm, there was something in the look and the voice of the gatekeeper that made him uneasy the man stared after the hobbits for a moment and then went back to his house. As soon as his back was turned, a dark figure climbed quickly over the gate and melted into the shadows of the village street. The hobbits rode up a gentle slope, passing a few detached houses, and drew up outside the barn. The houses looked large and strange to them. Sam stared up at the inn in the three stories and many windows and felt his heart sink. He had imagined himself meeting giants taller than trees, and other creatures even more terrifying some time or another in the course of his journey. But at the moment he was finding his first sight of men in their tall houses quite enough, indeed too much for the dark end of a tiring day. He pictured black horses standing all saddled in the shadows of the inn yard, and black riders peering out of the dark upper windows. We surely aren't gonna stay here for the night, sir, are we? he exclaimed. If there are hobbit folks in these parts, why don't we look for some that's willing to take us in? It would be more home-like. What's wrong with the inn? said Frodo. Tom Bombadil recommended it. I expect it's home-like enough inside. Even from the outside, the inn looked like a pleasant house to familiar eyes. It had a front on the road and two wings running around back, partly cut out of the lower slopes of the hill, so that at their rear second windows, so that the Let's try that one more time (laughs) That one really lost me Even from the outside, the inn looked like a pleasant house to familiar eyes It had a front on the road and two wings running back on land Partly cut out of the slopes of the hill So that at the rear, the second floor windows were level with the ground There was a wide arch leading to a courtyard between the two wings And on the left, under the arch, was a large doorway reached out by a few broad steps. The door was open and light streamed out of it. Above the arch there was a lamp. And beneath it swung a large signboard. A fat white pony reared up on its hind legs. Over the door was painted in white letters, The Prancing Pony by and Butterbur. Many of the lower windows showed lights behind thick curtains as they hesitated outside in the gloom someone began singing a merry song inside and many cheerful voices loudly joined in the chorus they listened to this encouraging sound for a moment then got off their ponies the song ended and there was a burst of laughter and clapping they led their ponies under the arch and leaving them standing in the yard they climbed up the steps frodo went forward and nearly bumped into a short fat man with a bald head and a red face He had a white apron on and was bustling out of one door and in through another, carrying a tray laden with full mugs. "'Can we?' began Frodo. "'Off a moment, if you please,' shouted the man over his shoulder and vanished into a babble of voices and a cloud of smoke. In a moment he was out again, wiping his hands on his apron. "'Good evening, little master,' he said, bending down. "'And what may you be wanting?' Beds for four and stabling for five ponies, if it can be managed. Are you B- Mr. Butterbur?
1: That's right, Barley means my name,
0: Barleyman Butterbur at your service. You're from the Shire, eh? He said, then suddenly clasped his hand to his forehead as if trying to remember something.
1: Oh, <laughs> hobbits,
0: hobbits, he cried. Now, what does that remind me of? Might I ask your name, sir? Mr. Took and Mr. Brandybuck, said Frodo, and this is Sam Gamgee. My name is Underhill. Well oh, now, said Mr. Butterbur, snapping his fingers, it's cold again, but it'll come back when I've got time to think of it. I'm run off my feet, but I'll see what I can do for
1: you. We don't often get a party out of the shire nowadays. I should, should be sorry not to make you welcome. "'But there is such a crowl already in the house tonight "'that hasn't been for long enough. "'Oh, it never rains, but it pours, as we say in Bree.' Oh, Nob!' he shouted. "'Where are you, you woolly-footed slow "'Nob!' "'Coming, sir, coming!'
0: "'A cheery-looking hobbit bobbed out of a door "'and, seeing the travellers, stopped short "'and stared at them with great interest. "'Where's Bob?' Asked the landlord. You don't know what well, I'm
1: going to find in double sharp I haven't got six legs nor six eyes neither. Tell Bob these five ponies has to be stable. He must find room
0: for them somewhere. Nob trotted off with a grin and a wink. Well, now, what was I going to say? said Mr. Butterbur, tapping his forehead. One thing drives out another, so to speak. I'm that busy tonight,
1: my head's going right round. There was a party that came up the greenway from down south last night, and that was strange enough to begin with. And then there's travelling company of dwarves going west coming this evening, and now there's you. If it weren't, Hobbits, I doubt we could house you. But we've got a room or two in the North Wing that we made special for Hobbits when this place was built. "'On the ground floor, as they usually prefer. Round windows and all as they like it. I hope you'll find it comfortable. You'll be wanting supper,
0: I don't doubt. Soon as may be. This way now!' <laughs> he led them on a short way down a passage and opened a door. It is a nice little parlour, he said. I do hope that it will suit. You must excuse
1: me now. I'm that busy. No time for talking. I must be trotting. It's hard work for two legs, but I don't get thinner. Oh, I'll look in again later. If you want anything, ring the ad bell, and nob will come. And if he don't
0: come, ring and shout. Off he went at last and left them feeling rather breathless. He seemed capable of an endless stream of talk, however busy he might be. They found themselves in a small and cozy room. There was a bit of bright fire burning on the hearth, and in front of it there were some low and comfortable chairs. There was a round table already spread with a white cloth, and on it was a large handbell. But Nob, the hobbit servant, came bustling in long before they thought of ringing. He brought candles and a tray full of plates. "'Will you be wanting anything to drink, Masters?' he asked. "'And shall I show you the bedrooms while the supper is got ready?' They were washed and in the middle of good, deep mugs of beer. When knob Oh, excuse me. And we're in the middle of good... <laughs> hey, I'm glad you like it, y'all. Freddie Spade says, Man, this is a perfect butterbur voice. Uh, Orly Rose says, It's almost irritating, but not quite, which is exactly how I picture him. Yeah, he's just... He's right there on the edge, isn't he? A sort of person of which you would say, Yeah, he's good folk. <laughs> They were washed and in the middle of good deep mugs of beer when Mr. Butterbur and Nob came in again. In a twinkling the table was laid. There was hot soup, cold meats, a blackberry tart, new loaves, slabs of butter, and half a ripe cheese. Good, plain food, as good as the shire could show, and homelike enough to dispel the last of Sam's misgivings, already much relieved by the presence of good beer. The landlord hovered round for a link and then prepared to leave them. ''I don't know whether you should care to join the company when you've had your sup,'' he said, standing at the door. ''Perhaps you'd rather go round to your beds. Still, the company would be rather pleased to welcome you if
1: you had a mind. We don't get outsiders. (laughs) Travellers from the Shire, I should say, begging your pardon.'' We don't get them often, and we'd like to hear a bit of news, or any story or song you may have in mind. But
0: as you please, as you please, ring the bell if you like anything. So, refreshed and encouraged, did they feel at the end of their supper, about three quarters of an hour, steady going, not hindered by unnecessary talk, that Frodo, Pippin, and Sam decided to join the company. Mary said it would be too stuffy. I shall sit here quietly by the fire for a bit. Perhaps go out later for a sniff of the air. Mind your P's and Q's and don't forget, you're supposed to be escaping in secret and you're still on the high road and not very far from the Shire. All right, said Pippin. Mind yourself, don't get lost and don't forget, it's safer indoors. The company was in the big common room of the inn. The gathering was large and mixed as Frodo discovered and his eyes got used to the light. This came chiefly from a blazing log fire, for the three lamps hanging from the beams were dim and half-veiled in smoke. Barlam and Butterbur were standing near the fire, talking to a couple of dwarves and one or two strange-looking men. On the benches were various folk. Men of Bree, a collection of local hobbits, sitting chattering together. A few more dwarves and other vague figures difficult to make out in the shadows and corners. As soon as the Shire Hobbits entered, there was a chorus of welcome from the Bree-landers. The strangers, especially those that had come from the Greenway, stared at them curiously. The landlord introduced the newcomers to the Bree-folk so quickly that, though they caught many names, they were seldom sure who the names belonged to. The men of Bree seemed to all have rather botanical, and to the Shire-folk rather odd, names, like Rushlight, Goatleaf, Heather-toes, Appledore, thistle and Fernie, not to mention Butterbur. Some of the hobbits had similar names. The Mugworts, for instance, seemed numerous, but most of them had natural names, such as Banks, Brockhouse, Longholes, Sandheaver, and Tunnelly, many of which were used in the Shire. There were several underhills from Saddle, and as they could not imagine sharing a name without being related, they took Frodo to their hearts as a long-lost cousin. The Bree hobbits were, in fact, friendly and inquisitive, and Frodo soon found that some explanation of... What he was doing would have to be given. He gave out that he was interested in history and geography, at which there was much wagging of heads, although neither of these words were much used in the pre-dialect. He said he was thinking of writing a book, at which there was silent astonishment, and that he and his friends wanted to collect information about hobbits living outside the Shire, especially in the eastern lands. At this, a chorus of voices broke out, If Frodo really had wanted to write a book, and had had many ears, he would have learned enough for several chapters in a few minutes. And if that was not enough, he was given a whole list of names, beginning with Old Barnum to whom he could go for further information. But after a time, as Frodo did not show any sign of writing a book on the spot, the hobbits returned to their questions about doings in the Shire. Frodo did not prove very communicative, and he soon found himself sitting alone in a corner, listening and looking around. "'The men and dwarves were mostly talking of distant events "'and telling news of a kind that was only becoming too familiar. "'There was trouble away in the south, "'and it seemed that the men who had come up the greenway "'were on the move, looking for lands where they could find some peace. "'The Bree folk were sympathetic, but plainly not very ready "'to take on a large number of strangers into their little land. "'One of the travelers, a squint-eyed, ill-favored fellow, "'was foretelling that more and more people "'would be coming up north in the near future.' "'If room isn't found for them, they'll find it for themselves. "'They've a right to live, same as other folk,' he said loudly. "'The local inhabitants did not look pleased at this prospect. "'The hobbits did not pay much attention to all this, "'and it did not, at the moment, seem to concern hobbits. "'Big folk could hardly beg for lodgings in hobbit holes. "'They were more interested in Sam and Pippin, "'who were now feeling quite at home "'and were chatting gaily about the events in the Shire.' And roused a good deal of laughter with an account of the collapse of the roof of the town hall in Mickledelving. Delving. Will Whitfoot, the mayor, and the fattest hobbit in the Westfarthing. with With Farthing. That's kind of a fun voice. This is Will Whitfoot, the mayor, the fattest hobbit in the Westfarthing. Will Whitfoot, the mayor and the fattest hobbit in the Westfarthing, had been buried in chalk and came out like a flowered dumpling. But there were several questions asked that made Frodo a little uneasy. One of the Breelanders, who seemed to have been in the Shire several times, wanted to know where the Underhills lived and who they were related to. Suddenly Frodo noticed that a strange-looking, weather-beaten man, sitting in the shadows near the wall, was also listening intently to the Hobbit talk. He had a tall tankard in front of him and was smoking a long-stemmed pipe, curiously carved— His legs were stretched out before him, showing high boots of supple leather that fitted him well, but had seen much wear and were now caked with mud. A travel-stained cloak of heavy, dark-green cloth was drawn close about him, and in spite of the heat of the room he wore a hood that overshadowed his face. But the gleam of his eyes could be seen as he watched the hobbits. "'Who is that?' Frodo asked when he got a chance to whisper to Mr. Butterbur. "'I don't think you've introduced him.' "'Him?' said the landlord, with an answering whisper, cocking an eye without turning his head. "Well, I don't rightly really know. He's one of the wandering folk. Rangers, we call them. He seldom talks. though, no, but he can't tell a rare tale when he's got the mind. He disappears for a month or a year, then he pops up again. He was in and out pretty often last spring, but I haven't seen him about much lately.' "'What his right name is, I've never heard. "'But he's known round here as Strider. "'Goes about at a great pace on his long shanks, "'though he don't tell nobody what's causing him to worry, so. "'But there's no accounting for East and West, as we say in Bree, "'meaning the Rangers and the folk begging your pardon. Uh, "'Funny that you should ask about him. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. "'But at that moment Mr. Butterbur was called away "'by a demand for more ale, and his last remark remained.' Unexplained. Frodo found that Strider was now looking at him, as if he had heard or guessed all that had been said. Presently, with a wave of his hand and a nod, he invited Frodo to come over and sit by him. As Frodo drew near, he threw back his hood, showing a shaggy head of dark hair, specked with gray, and a pale, stern face, and a pair of keen, gray eyes. Hmm. I am called Strider, he said in a low voice. I am very pleased to meet you, Master Underhill, if old Butterbird has got your name right. He did, said Frodo stiffly. He felt far from comfortable under the stare of those keen eyes. Well, Mr. Underhill, said Strider. If I were you, I should stop your young friends from talking too much. Drink, fire, and chance meeting are pleasant enough, but, well, this isn't the Shire that a queer folk about. Though I say it as shouldn't, you might think, he said, with a wry smile, seeing Frodo's glance. And there have been even stranger travellers through Bree lately he went on, watching Frodo's face. Frodo returned his gaze, but said nothing, and Strider made no further sign. His attention seemed suddenly to be fixated upon Pippin. To his alarm, Frodo became aware that the ridiculous young Took, encouraged by his success with the fat mayor of Mickledelving, was now actually giving a comic account of Bilbo's farewell party. He was already giving an imitation of the speech, and was drawing near to the astonishing disappearance Frodo was annoyed. It was a harmless enough tale for most of the local hobbits, no doubt, just a funny story about those funny people away beyond the river. But some, Old Butterbur, for instance, knew a thing or two, and had probably heard rumors long ago about Bilbo's vanishing. It would bring the name of Baggins to their mind, especially if there had been inquiries in Bree after that name. Frodo fidgeted, wondering what to do. Pippin was evidently much enjoying the attention he was getting and had become quite forgetful of their danger. Frodo had a sudden fear that, at the present mood, he might even mention the ring, and that might well be disastrous. You better do something quick, whispered Strider in his ear. Frodo jumped up and stood upon a table and began to talk. The attention of Pippin's audience was disturbed. Some of the hobbits looked at Frodo and laughed and clapped, thinking that Mr. Underhill had taken as much ale as was good for him. Frodo suddenly felt very foolish, and found himself as was his habit when making a speech, fingering the things in his pocket. He felt the ring on its chain, and quite unaccountably the desire came over him to slip it on and vanish out of this silly commotion. It seemed to him somehow as if the suggestion came to him from outside, from someone or something in the room. He resisted the temptation firmly and clasped the ring in his hand as if to keep hold of it and prevent it from escaping or doing any mischief. At any rate, it gave him no inspiration. He spoke a few suitable words, as they would have been called in the Shire. "'We're all very much gratified by the kindness of your reception, and I venture to hope that my brief visit will help to renew the old ties of friendship between the Shire and Bree.' (coughs) He hesitated and coughed. Everyone in the room was now looking at him. "'A song!' shouted one of the hobbits. A song, a song, shouted the others. Come on, master, sing us something we've not heard before. For a moment, Frodo stood gaping. (sighs) Then, in desperation, he began a ridiculous song that Bilbo had been rather fond of, and indeed rather proud of, for he had made up the words himself. It was about an inn, and was probably why it came into Frodo's mind just then. Here it is in full. Only a few words of it are now, as a rule, remembered. Though there's an inn, a merry old inn, beneath an old grey hill, and there they brew a beer so brown that the man on the moon himself came down one night to drink his fill. In ostler has a tipsy cat, then plays a five-string fiddle. Up and down he runs his bow, now squeaking high, now purring low, now sawing in the middle. <laughs> the landlord keeps a little dog that's mighty fond of jokes then there's good cheer among the guests he cocks his head at all the jests and laughs until he jokes A-keep, a horned old cow as proud as any queen but music turns ahead like ale and makes her wave her tufted tail and dance upon the green and oh the rows of silver dishes and the store of silver spoons for sunday there's a special pair and these they polish up with care on saturday afternoons the man on the moon was drinking deep, the cat began to wail. A dish and a spoon on the table danced, the cow in the garden madly pranced, and the little dog chased his tail. The man on the moon took another mug, then rolled beneath his chair. There he dozed and dream veil to the sky, and the stars were pale. Dawn was in the air! Then the ostler said to his tipsy cat, the white horses of the moon, they neigh and champ with the silver bits, but the master's been drowned to his wits and the sun'll be rising soon. So the cat and his fiddle played hey diddle diddle, a jig that await the dead. They squeaked and sawed and quickened the tune, while the landlord shook the man on the moon. It's after three, he said. They rode the man slowly up the hill and bungled him to the moon, while the horses galloped up in the rear, and the cow came capering like a deer and a dish ran up with a spoon. <laughs> now quicker the fiddle went, hey diddle-dum, the dog began to roar. The cow and the horses stood on the heads and the guests all bounded from their beds and danced upon the floor. With a ping and a pong, the fiddle strings broke and the cow jumped over the moon. And the little dog left to see such fun. The Saturday just went off at a run and the silver Sunday spoon. Oh, the round moon rolled behind the hill as the sun raised up her head. She hardly believed her fiery eyes, for though it was dry, to her surprise, they all went back to bed. They all went back to bed. Hey! There was loud and long applause. Frodo had a good voice, and the song tickled their fancy. Where, where's old Barney? They cried. He ought to hear this. Bob, Bob ought to learn his cat the fiddle. We'd have a dance. <laughs> they all called for more ale and began to shout. Let's have it again, master. Come on now. Once more. They made Frodo have another drink, and then begin his song again, while well, many of them joined in, for the tune was well known, and they were quick at picking up words. It was now Frodo's turn to feel pleased with himself. He capered about the table and then came a second time to the cow jumped over the moon and he leapt in the air, much too vigorously, for he came down, bang, into a tray full of bugs and slipped and rolled off the table with a crash, a clatter, and a bump. The audience all opened their mouths wide for laughter and then stopped short a gaping silence the singer had disappeared. He simply vanished, as if he had gone slap through the floor without leaving a hole. The local hobbits stared in amazement and then sprang to their feet and shouted for Barlamin. All the company drew away from Pippin and Sam, who found themselves left alone in a corner and eyed darkly and doubtfully from a distance. It was plain that many people regarded them now as the companions of a traveling magician of unknown powers and purpose. There was one swarthy Brelander who stood looking at them with a knowing and half mocking expression that made them feel very uncomfortable. Presently, he slipped out the door, followed by the squint eyed Southerner. The two had been whispering together a good deal during the evening. Harry, the gatekeeper, also went out, just behind them. Frodo felt a fool. Not knowing what else to do, he crawled away under the tables and to the dark corner by Strider, who sat unmoved, giving no sign of his thoughts. Frodo leaned back against the wall and took off the ring. How it had came to be on his finger, he could not tell. He could only suppose that he had been handling it in his pocket while he sang that somehow it had slipped on while he stuck out his hand with a jerk to save himself from the fall. For a moment he wondered if the ring itself had not played him a trick. Perhaps it had tried to reveal itself on purpose, in response to some wish or command that was felt in the room. He did not like the looks of the men that had gone out. Well, said Strider, when he reappeared. Why did you do that? Worse than anything your friends could have said. You have put your foot in it, or should I say your finger? I don't know what you mean, said Frodo, annoyed and alarmed. Oh yes you do, answered Strider, but we better wait till the uproar has died down. Then, if you please, Mr Baggins, I should like to have a quiet word with you. About what? asked Frodo, ignoring the sudden use of his proper name. Matter of some importance to us both, answered Strider, looking Frodo in the eye. You may hear something to your advantage. Very well, said Frodo, trying to appear unconcerned. I'll talk to you later. Meanwhile, an argument was going on by the fireplace. Mr. Butterbur had come trotting in, and he was now trying to listen to several conflicting accounts of the event at the same time. I saw him, Mr. Butterbur, said a hobbit. At least I didn't see him, if you take my meaning. He just vanished into thin air
1: in a manner of speaking. <laughs> "'You you don't say,
0: Mr. Mugwort?' said the landlord, looking puzzled. "'Yes, I do,' replied Mugwort. "'I I mean what I say, what's more?' "'There's some mistake somewhere,' said Butterbur, shaking his head. "'There were too
1: much of that, Mr. Underhill, to go vanishing into thin air, or into thick air, as is much more likely in this room.'
0: "'Well, where is he now?'
1: cried several voices how should I know. He's welcome to come and go when he will, as long as he pays in the boarding. There's Mr. Took now. He's not vanished.
0: What's that noise? <laughs> you keep it in, Sam. You keep. Hey, Sam, who's editing this, you keep that noise in. Don't be a coward. Whatever the hell that just was. What I saw, what I saw. I saw, and I saw what I didn't, said Mugwort obstinately. And I said there's been some mistake, repeated Butterbur, picking up the tray and gathering up the broken crockery. Of course there's a mistake, said Frodo. I haven't vanished. Here I am. I, I was just having a few words with Strider in the corner. He came forward into the firelight, but most of the company backed away, even more perturbed than before. They were not in the least satisfied by his explanation that he had crawled quickly away under the tables after he had fallen. Most of the hobbits and the men of Bree went off then and there in a huff, having no fancy for further entertainment that evening. One or two gave Frodo a black look and departed, muttering amongst themselves. The dwarves and the two or three strange men that still remained got up and said goodnight to the landlord, but not to Frodo and his friends. Before long... No one was left but Strider, who sat on, unnoticed, by the wall. Mr. Butterbur did not seem much put out. He reckoned, very probably, that his house would again be full on many future nights, until the present mystery had been thoroughly discussed. "'Now, what have you been doing, Mr. Underhill?' he asked. "'Frighting my customers and breaking my crocks with your acrobatics.' "'I'm very sorry to have caused any trouble.' Said Frodo, "It was quite unintentional. I assure you, a most unfortunate accident." <laughs> right, all right, Mister Underhill. But
1: if you're going to do any more tumbling or conjuring or whatever it was, you'd best to warn folk beforehand, and warn me. We're a bit suspicious round here of anything out of the way, uncanny. If you understand me, and we don't take to it all of a sudden.
0: I shan't be doing anything more of that sort, Mr. Butterbur. I promise you. And now I think I'll be getting to bed. We shall be making an early start. Will, will you see that our ponies are ready by eight o'clock?
1: Very good. But before you go, I should like to have a word with you in private, Mr. Underhill. Something has just come back to my mind that i ought to tell you. I hope that you'll not take it amiss. When I've seen you a thing or two, I'll come along to your room, if you're willing. Certainly.
0: Said Frodo, but his heart sank. He wondered how many private talks he would have to have before he got to bed and what they would reveal. Were these people all in league against him? He began to suspect even old Butterbur's fat face of concealing dark designs. <laughs> folks the first of our two chapters of the evening on to our second chapter chapter 10 titled strider in just a bit i'm gonna take a quick five minute break because my water definitely needs refilling um folks what do you think so far gwendog says ah shoot i didn't want that chapter to end indeed and nor did i we are this is this is what i mean we are now we're deep in that fun stuff we're deep in that fun stuff um we are uh, on that, that, that real classic fantasy adventure. We've got dark figures listening to rumors and then slinking out of the room. Dark tidings, strange visitors in the day before, and now we just want to take a rest and go to bed. But no, drunken mistakes and events of the day, distant dangers may prevent us from doing so. And perhaps some dangers not so distant at all. <laughs> Orly Rose says, I bet Pippin had an entire pint of pepperoncinis Um that is terrible, just to imagine that many pepperoncinis packed into one hobbit. Um uh, yeah, back says, uh oh, I already read that one. Uh, Purdy says, Y'all made fun of my pepperoncinis so I set JT on you. Well, JT speaking in Kenya, so who's gonna know? Um <laughs> Y'all, I hope you're enjoying this one. I know I absolutely am. Like I said, this is where it starts to feel right to me. When I when I first arrived at um, uh, the house of um, uh, uh, the house of Tom Bombadil when I was younger, it was tough for me to get through. I wasn't totally sure what was going on. Um, and then, unlike some of these scenes following up, I didn't have a great schema for like what I was looking at. You know what I mean? I, I was we were there and we were getting these really great descriptions, but you know, when you describe a tavern, uh, there's this thing called schema, um, uh, and schema is an important part of, of uh, you know, sort of understanding literature and just about any sort of art. But um, when you are trying to understand art, it is helpful for the author and the audience to have a shared understanding of certain things. So when we talk about rangers, for instance, right? When we talk about rangers that conjures something to mind there's a very narrow description actually given to Rangers uh, folks who I think it was like folks who wander through the wilderness that's about it that could mean I mean if we didn't have schema for this thing then a ranger could mean anything from uh, like a, a a hearty outdoorsman to uh, a, a person who is not uh, sort of entirely mentally present who just literally goes wandering out through the wilderness um, it can mean like that's that's some like John the Baptist stuff <laughs> uh what we are finding here is a uh, much stronger schema we're in a territory where the schema for this is much stronger at the very least for me these shared understandings of like what a tavern is what a ranger is um, uh, what an innkeeper does and what they know and what kind of authority they might have all of this sort of stuff um, th- th- these are things well I'm glad it's coming during my during the, the break between chapters, at least. Um, all this stuff, you know, we were able to, we were able to, I was able to, I will say that instead. I was able to picture this scene much, much more clearly than what I was looking at at Tom Bombadil's house. Because you don't have a lot of schema for a being that dances and sings, but is also ancient beyond ancient has seemingly like control over some things but insists that they don't have control over the weather uh can simply sing away some of the deepest darkest dankest creatures you've ever seen uh, and then leaves you on the road and goes back home there's not a lot not a lot of schema for that but this one there you are <laughs> Jt JT bring up some some alternate ideas. <laughs> Yes, that would have that would have been frankly that would have been right at home in the hobbit but not so much here in lord of the rings. Um and uh while we head on to our chatter break I will ask you all about some points of schema here. Um I'm I'm actually I'm really curious about international schema. Um when so schema is essentially just a shared cultural understanding of certain ideas. Um uh, especially when it comes to literature it is about the shared cultural understandings of certain things that have, you know, deeper connotations like I you know we uh, the 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 uh, the, the the example I usually bring up is the dragon, right? When I say dragon, y'all all can picture a thing that isn't actually real. Why can you picture it without me telling you, without saying anything except for that name? Because we've got a really strong scared schema, shared schema for, well, I guess that's redundant, we've got a really strong schema for what's a dragon. I want to hear from different parts of the world, you know, what are... What are some interesting points of this that uh, get brought up, uh, but also for our, our folks who are, uh, you know, from very, like, predominantly English-speaking territories, uh, I would like to know, as, you, as you're as you reading through this, what are the things that it's making you feel? What are the things that it is evoking in you? Because this this is where these stories, um, you know, it took a break a little bit as we got into the old forest, lots of getting lost, lots of you know, hanging out with Tom Bombadil, but in in the shire and now here for sure this tavern scene very evocative i want to know the things that this chapter makes you feel just sort of on a kind of on a a more visceral level those those senses of comfort or whatever it may be just being in this busy tavern with the firelight and the descriptions of good food all of that poor vish i hope vish isn't here for this vish if you are here you may want to listen to this one later (laughs) all right folks I'll be back in five minutes, and we're going to talk about our Chatterbreak question. We'll do a spot review, and then get on into chapter 10, titled Strider. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Good to see you all. Um, Pretty Spade says... Every time you're at a LARP tavern, the unease you describe is real Orly Rose, which I'm gonna have to dodge back to that but, um, uh, yeah, Orly Rose. Oh my god, Orly Rose. Hold on, Orly Rose. Orly Rose says, uh, you need to play in Resetus. i made a tavern. Orly Rose, where is that? Where's it at? Is it- is it- if it's currently over in, um, (laughs) the realms of Resetus, you gotta let me know. Um, uh, and if not uh, if we're talking about the the golden hen I that that seems like a great place to like that seems like a great channel we the golden hen yeah we gotta if if that doesn't exist already we need to I need to make a channel for that the golden hen needs to be its own like sort of central hub that sort of exists um in the sort of like roughly in the middle of the towers so we can we can have little adventures like this um okay I will have to address that later on um but yeah that that certainly the golden hen i think it it has had so much development it deserves its own little spot um and we always like uh we always like a like a quaint little multi-story tavern kind of uh you know like looking like it was just pulled out of the countryside uh a little countryside town and then placed right in the right in the middle of these towers all around um just this nice little this nice little uh rustic tavern in the middle of so much metropolis uh yes absolutely okay uh yeah let me know or there if it doesn't already exist over in the realms of recitas um because i think it's close ish to um tell you what we will make it its own channel here we go here we go this is exactly how we're gonna do it we're gonna make it its own channel and then once we have got the the um the the District sort of built up around it, then we can put that channel into the district Uh, But until then I don't want it to be to start as like a thread in like the arena district or something because then we wouldn't be able to like pull it out so uh, Yeah, let me let me go ahead I'm gonna edit right now. I'm not gonna be able to do the work on it right now. Uh, This is gonna take me 30 seconds Uh, Let me go ahead and create a new channel. Can I create just like an un an unaffiliated channel? um (laughs) create channel here we go um and this is going to be a forum channel and this is the golden hen i can always change the name later uh which i sometimes have to do because sometimes like sometimes the word the needs to be in there and sometimes it needs to not be in there so uh all right the golden hen is officially it's there it exists uh let me put it down uh probably i I don't think it belongs like inside one of the major categories but it's going to go down toward the bottom i think uh down near the arena but not in the arena let me see if it'll let me do this if it'll let me do this excuse me Uh No, how do I get it? I want it outside the I want it outside the category. How do I put it No, okay. Tell you what, since the arena is the only place that we have in the in the towers themselves, it's the only district we have, I will leave it in the arena for now with the recognition that the the Golden Hen is technically not in the towers district. Um but that way, that way we can go ahead and move it later on into its proper district. Um Uh, hold on let me just I got to create a tiny post here Uh, this tavern is not actually in the towers in the arena district but I wanted to start the channel nonetheless fantastic okay excellent one of the reasons that i really love the golden hand is because it is like the quintessential uh experience of the realms of versitas for those of you who do not who do not know um my name is sam this is sidecar stories and what on earth could i be talking about right now well i'm talking about our second discord server uh if y'all like fantasy adventures of this sort well do you want to have your own We've got an RP and adventure server uh, dedicated to the realms of Residus, which is a world that we have been uh, assembling and designing together for the last f- almost four years at this point, point. Um, and uh, I would love to have you join in as an adventurer. Uh, if you want to find out more about that, head on over to the main Discord. Uh, you can find that using the links command, linktree slash sidecarstories, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash sidecarstories. Okay, there we go. Without further ado, we got to move on. Um, we have to move on from this in spite of the fact that I could talk about RPGs for <clears throat> days. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about our chatter break question, which is what are, what are some of the things that are evoked by this very evocative chapter? Um... Uh, let me see. Orly Rose says it's actually almost a sense of unease in a way mingled with comfort. Part of me loves the idea of this dark, smoky tavern. Part of me hates the idea of the noise and the jostle and the smells and such. Yeah, it's definitely a busy spot, right? This is a, a this is a place for people to gather and to you know get out their social energies. Uh, pretty Space says I don't know. I feel like this chapter makes me want to hang out in some warm, smoky, chaotic tavern, but in a quiet corner, obviously. Uh, for those of you who know me, um pandemic has changed me somewhat but like my my social aptitudes are definitely a little bit different than when i went into the pandemic but i'm definitely not a quiet corner guy in this particular tavern would love it would not be in quiet corner uh yeah pretty spade would just be (laughs) alone with your jar of pepperoncinis (laughs) um Yes, indeed. But yeah, Pretty Spade says, uh, every time you're at a tavern LARP, that unease that you describe is real, uh, or there are so many conversations going around you, and you can only hear snippets, and some are bound to be important, but you can't focus on anything without being obvious. It makes you a little paranoid. And um, yeah, that's a really interesting kind of take on this. It's it's maybe a good reason why this kind of atmosphere has become a good one for the starts of adventures. Like you said, lots of little snippets of conversations. um, And uh, to really, like, to... To really get a good listen to one of them, you kind of have to f- formally, socially attach yourself to one of these discussions. Um, it's interesting, but yeah, uh, definitely, I really enjoy this mood, but I certainly understand how it could sort of come off as pretty overwhelming. Um, we, I, I, gotta get off this this pepperoncini's kick. Cannot, cannot stay there and live in this pepperoni space right now. <laughs> indeed 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 okay fantastic now folks thank you so much for joining me my name is Sam this is Sidecar Stories let's talk a bit of review bop, 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 bop. I used to play drums did you hear how uncoordinated that was just now <laughs> this pretty spade just says join us Sam join us in sake and pepperoncini's land sake and pepperoncini's that seems like a what a what a cross-cultural gut rot you've got there <laughs> man what a well-traveled illness you've just contrived (laughs) oh boy um chapter nine at the prancing pony um at the sign of the prancing pony basically our friends the hobbits enter the town of brie and find themselves uh, at the prancing pony this is a place where they are supposed to meet indeed they're hoping to meet up with Gandalf here, but once again, Gandalf does not make an appearance. They have they have yet to see Gandalf by the end of this chapter. Maybe next chapter we shall find out. But they meet up with Barlam and Butterbur after a bit of a strange encounter with Harry at the gate. Uh, a little bit more suspicion in this territory than usual. Usually this would be pretty free to travel, but it seems that there is strange talk of strange folk abroad. And upon entering the tavern where they use uh, a fake name for Frodo but real names for the others, apparently that wasn't quite as high a priority, they use a fake name for Frodo Mr. Underhill Um, at the same time, Barlowman Butterbur is like remembering something, he's the tavern keeper here, he's remembering something but not quite he'll have to to catch up with him later, he's really busy right now, he's really busy, he'll have to go off and do something else Um, Frodo notices uh, a couple of things at once um, over the course of the night Uh, Pippin is maybe talking about things from home Maybe a bit more freely than he ought. As a matter of fact, he's getting kicked up on the story of Bilbo's birthday party, and we know how that one ends. It ends with something that is very significantly, um, uh, very significantly related to the Ring. Also, at the same time, there is there are a couple of strangers asking maybe more questions than than uh, Frodo, I almost called him Percy Jackson, (laughs) Uh, than than Frodo is comfortable with. Um, One of these folk who seems very attentive is this man in the corner called Strider. They call him a ranger. We don't really know what that means specifically. Again, we talked about schema during the chatter break. There's, There's this idea in our minds as an audience of what a ranger is, but frankly, some of that kind of started here with lord of the rings and it's developed over the years since this book was originally published so who knows how much we would understand of this as an audience reading this for the first time back during publishing days um strider is asking a few questions directly to frodo but they do make him uncomfortable nonetheless he says he would like to speak to frodo in private frodo says "Uh, yeah okay uh but then strider says Also, your friend Pippin is about to blow the lid off of something important here. Uh, Frodo turns around, uh, and in order to distract everyone, he gives a a short little speech that he comes up with off the top of his head, and then decides to sing one of Bilbo's songs, because it seems like what people are expecting, and it's a good way to distract from the Pippin story about Bilbo and the disappearing ring. It's a great way to distract from that, until... Frodo falls off the table and having had his hand in his pocket with the ring, he falls on the ground, and somehow, the ring slips onto his finger and he goes invisible. He crawls into a corner, but at this point, the damage is done. People all around the tavern have seen this strange moment where the singer has fallen off the table and suddenly gone invisible. Some of them think he's just sort of a a, a magician with unknown purposes, but there are definitely some who quickly leave the tavern with dark looks in their eyes. And uh, he crawls over to Strider, who says, Really, I would like to talk to you. Can we do so in private? But Frodo and his companions head off to bed. Still, in spite of all the darkness showing up here, no sign of Gandalf. Chapter 10, Strider, Frodo, Pippin, and Sam made their way back to the parlor, there was no light, Merry was not there, and the fire had burned low, it was not until they had puffed up the embers into a blaze and thrown on a couple of bundles that they, thrown on a couple, see, they use an antiquated word here, Um, (laughs) I, I had practiced it a couple of times, but didn't find my way into it, apparently. It was not until they had puffed up the embers into a blaze and thrown on a couple bundles of sticks that they discovered Strider had come with them. There he was, calmly sitting in a chair by the door. Hello, said Pippin. Who are you, and what do you want? I'm called Strider, he answered. And though he may have forgotten it, your friend promised to have a quiet talk with me. You said i might hear something to my advantage i believe said frodo what have you to say several things answered strider but of course i have my price what do you mean asked frodo sharply don't be alarmed i mean just this i will tell you what i know and give you some good advice but i shall want a reward and what would that be pray said Frodo. He suspected now he had fallen in with a rascal, and thought uncomfortably that he had brought only a little money with him. All of it would hardly satisfy a rogue, and he could not spare any of it. No more than you can afford, answered Strider with a slow smile as if he guessed Frodo's thoughts. Just this. You must take me with you until I wish to leave you. Oh, indeed! replied Frodo, surprised but not much relieved even if I wanted another companion I should not agree to any such thing till I knew a good deal more about you and your business excellent, exclaimed Strider crossing his legs and sitting back comfortably you seem to be coming to your senses again that is all too good you've been much too careless so far very well I shall tell you what I know and leave the reward to you you may be glad to grant it when you've heard me go on then said frodo what do you know too much too many dark things said strider grimly but as for your business he got up and went to the door opened it quickly and looked out then he shut it quietly and sat down again i have quick ears he went on lowering his voice "'and though I cannot disappear, "'I have hunted many wild and wary things, "'and I can usually avoid being seen if I wish. "'Now, I was behind the hedge this evening, "'on the road west of Bree, "'when four hobbits came out of the downlands. "'I need not repeat all of what they said "'to old Bombadil or one another, "'but this one thing interested me. "'Please remember,' said one of them, that the name Baggins must not be mentioned. I am Mr. Underhill, if any name must be given. That interested me so much that I followed them here. I slipped over the gate, just behind them. Maybe Mr. Baggins has an honest reason for leaving his name behind,
1: but if so, I should advise him and his friends to be more careful.
0: I don't see what interest my name has for anyone in Bree said Frodo angrily. "'And I still have to learn why it interests you. Mr. Strider may have an honest reason for spying and eavesdropping, but if so, I should advise him explain it.' "'Well answered,' said Strider, laughing. "'But the explanation is simple. I was looking for a hobbit called Frodo Baggins. I wanted to find him quickly. I had learned that he was carrying out of the Shire... Well, a secret that concerned me and my friends now don't mistake me he cried as frodo rose from his seat and sam jumped up with a scowl i shall take more care of the secret than you do and care is needed he leaned forward and looked at them watch every shadow he said in a low voice black-clad horsemen have passed through brie on Monday, one came down for the greenway, they say, and another appeared later, coming up the greenway from the south. There was a silence. At last Frodo spoke to Pippin and Sam. I ought to have guessed it from the way that the gatekeeper greeted us, he said, and the landlord seemed to have heard something. Why did he press us to join the company, and why on earth have we behaved so foolishly? We ought to have stayed quiet in here. It would have been better said Strider. "'I would have stopped your going into the common room if I could, but the innkeeper would not let me in to see you, or to take a message.' "'Do you think that he would—' began Frodo. "'No. I don't think any harm of old Butterbur. Only he does not altogether like mysterious vagabonds of my sort.' Frodo gave him a puzzled look. "'Well, I have got a rather rascally look, have I not?' said Strider with a curl of his lip and a queer gleam in his eye but I hope we shall get to know one another better when we do I hope you will explain what happened at the end of your song as for the little prank it was sheer accident interrupted Frodo I wonder said Strider hmm accident then that accident has made your position dangerous "'Hardly more than it was already,' said Frodo. "'I knew these horsemen were pursuing me, "'but now, at any rate, they seem to have missed me "'and to have gone away.' "'You must not count on that,' said Strider sharply. "'They will return. "'And more are coming. "'There are others. I know their number. "'I know these riders.' "'He paused, and his eyes were hard and cold. "'And there are some folk in Bree "'who are not to be trusted.'
1: went down. Bill Fernie, for instance. He has an evil name in Breland, and queer folk call at his house. You must have
0: noticed him, among the company, a swarthy, sneering fellow. He was very close with one of the southern strangers, and they slipped out together just after your accident. Not all of those southerners been well, and as for Fernie,
1: he would sell anything to anybody, or make mischief for amusement.
0: "'What will Fernie sell, and what has my accident got to do with him?' said Frodo, still determined not to understand Strider's hints. "'News of you, of course,' answered Strider. "'An account of your performance would be very interesting to certain people. "'After that they would hardly need to know your real name. "'It seems to me only too likely they will hear of it before this night is over. "'Is that enough?' You can do as you like about my reward take me as a guide or not but i may say i know all the lands between the shire and the misty mountains for i've wandered over them for many years i'm older than i look i might prove useful you will have to leave the open road after tonight for the horsemen will watch it night and day. You may escape from Brie and be allowed to go forward while well, the sun is up, but you won't go far. They will come upon you in the wild, in some dark place where there is no help. Do you wish them to find you? They are terrible. The hobbits looked at him and saw with surprise. His face was drawn as if with pain, and his hands clenched the arms of his chair the room was very quiet and still and the light seemed to have grown dim for a while he sat with unseeing eyes as if walking in distant memory or listening to sound in the night far away there he cried after a moment drawing his hand across his brow perhaps i know more about these pursuers than you do you fear them but you do not fear them enough yet tomorrow you will have to escape if you can strider can take you by paths that is seldom trodden will you have him there was a heavy silence frodo made no answer his mind was confused with doubt and fear sam frowned and looked at his master at last he broke out would your leave mr frodo i'd say no It's Strider here. He warns and says take care, and I say yes to that, and let's begin with him. He comes out of the wild. We never heard no good of such folk. He knows something, that's plain, and
1: more than I like, but it's it's no reason why we should let him go leading us out into some dark place far away from
0: help, as he puts it. Pippin fidgeted and looked uncomfortable. Strider did not reply to Sam, but turned his keen eyes on Frodo. Frodo caught his glance and looked away. "'No,' he said slowly. "'I don't agree. "'I think... "'I think you're not really as you choose to look. "'You began to talk to me like the brief folk, "'but your voice has changed. "'Still, Sam seems right about this. "'I don't see why you should warn us to take care "'and yet ask us to take you on trust. "'Why the disguise? Who are you? "'What do you really know about... "'about my business?' "'And how do you know it?' "'The lesson in caution has been well learned,' said Strider, with a grim smile. "'But caution is one thing, and wavering is another. "'You'll never get to Rivendell now on your own. "'To trust me now is your only choice.
1: "'You must make up your mind. "'I will answer some of your questions, if that will help you
0: to do so. "'But why should you believe my story, if you do not trust me already?' Still, here it is. At that moment there came a knock at the door. Mr. Butterbur had arrived with candles, and behind him was Nob with cans of hot water. Strider withdrew into a dark corner. I've come to bid you good night, said the landlord, putting the candles on the table. Nob, Nob,
1: take the water to the rooms.
0: He came in and shut the door.
1: It's uh, It's like this he began, hesitating and looking troubled. If I've done any harm, I am sorry indeed, but, 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 but one thing drives out another, as you lead me, and, and I'm a busy man. But first one thing, then another this week. if have jogged my memory, as the saying goes, and, and I do hope not too late. Y- you see, I was asked to look out for Hobbits of the Shire, and for
0: one by the name of Baggins in particular... "'And what has that got to do with me?' asked Frodo. Uh, "'Well, you you know best,' said the landlord knowingly. "'I won't give you away, but I was told that this baggage would be gone by the name of Underhill, and I was given a description that fits you well enough, if I may say so.' "'Indeed? Let's have it then,' said Frodo, unwisely interrupting. "'A stout little fellow with red cheeks,' said Mr. Butterbur solemnly. Pippin chuckled, but Sam looked indignant. "'That won't help you much, it goes for most hobbits, barley,' he says to me, continued Mr. Butterbur with a glance at Pippin. "'But his hood's taller than some and fairer than most, "'and he's got a cleft in his chin, perky chap with a bright eye, "'begging your pardon, but he said it, not me. (laughs) "'He said it. "'And who was he?' asked Frodo eagerly. "'Oh, but that was
1: Gandalf, if you know who I mean.' A wizard, they say he is, but he's a good friend of mine, whether or no. But now I don't know what he'll have said to me if I see him again. He'll turn all of my ale sour or turn me into a block of wood. I shouldn't wonder. He's a bit
0: hasty. Still, what's done can't be undone. Well, what have you done? Said Frodo, getting impatient with the slow unraveling of Butterbur's thoughts. Oh, where was I? Uh, uh... Said the landlord, pausing and snapping his fingers. Yes, yes, Uh, old Gandalf. Three months back he walked right into my
1: room without a knock. Barley, he says, I'm off in the morning. Will you do something for me? You've only to name it, I said. I'm in a hurry, said he, and I've got no time for myself, but I want a message took to the shire. Have you anyone that you can send and trust to go? I can find someone myself.
0: Oh, shoot. Held for sound. I love doing this nonsense. It's so goofy, but I love doing it. Um, uh, And I've got a chance this book is gonna let me do more of it than usual. Uh, <laughs> characters doing impressions of other characters. <laughs> It's going to be pretty subtle. I can't go full, you know, like a whole hog on it. But uh, maybe, if I, maybe if we come up to some real impressionist nonsense. We'll see.
1: Barley! He says, I'm off in the morning. Will you do something for me? You've only today, but I said, I'm in a hurry, said he. And I've had no time to myself, but I uh, want a message took to the shire. "'Have you anyone that you can send uh, and trust to go?' And I said, "'I can find someone.' I said, "'Tomorrow, maybe, or the day after.' "'Make it tomorrow,' he said. "'And he gave me a letter.
0: "'It's addressed plain enough,' said Mr. Butterbur, producing a letter from his pocket and reading out the address slowly and proudly. He valued his reputation as a lettered man. "'Mr. Frodo Baggins, Bag-end, Hobbiton in the Shire.' "'A letter from me, from Gandalf?' cried Frodo. "Ah," said Mr. Butterbur. "'Then you're right name is Baggins.' "'It is,' said Frodo. "'And you'd better give that letter to me at once "'and explain why you never sent it. "'That's what you came to tell me, I suppose, "'that you've taken a long time to come to the point.' "'Poor Mr. Butterbur looked troubled. "'You're right, master.' He said, "And I beg your pardon. And I'm mortal afraid
1: of what i will say if harm comes of it. But I didn't keep it back a purpose. I put it by safe. And then I, I couldn't find nobody willing to go to the shire the next day or the day after, and none of my own folk were to spare. And then one thing after another drove it from my mind. I, I, I'm a busy man. I'll do what I can to set matters right. And if there's any help I can give, you've only got to name it." Leaving the letter aside, I promise Gandalf no less. Barney, he says to me, this friend of mine's come from the shire. He may be coming out this way before long, him and another. He'll be calling himself Underhill, you mind that? But no need to go asking questions, and if I'm not with him, he may be in trouble and he may need help. You do what you can for him and I'll be grateful. He said that to me. And here you are, and trouble is not far off, seemingly. What do you mean?
0: asked Frodo. These men, all clad in black, said the landlord, lowering his voice. They're looking for baggage. And if they mean well, then I'm a hobbit. It were on a Monday. All the dogs were yammering. The geese was screaming. Uncanny, I called it. Nob, he came and told me that these two men clad in black were at the door
1: asking for a hobbit called Baggins. Nob's hair was all stood on end. I bid the fellows be off and slam the door on them, but they've been asking the same question all the way to Archit, I hear. Oh, and that Ranger Strider, he's been asking questions too. Trying to get in here to see you before
0: you'd had a bite or sup, he did. He did, uh, said Strider, suddenly coming forward into the light. And much trouble would have been saved if you'd let him in, Barloman. The landlord jumped with surprise. You, he cried. You're always popping up. What do you want now? He's here with my leave, said Frodo. He came to offer me his help. Uh, well, you know your own business, maybe, said Mr. Butterbur, looking suspiciously at Strider. But if I was in your plight, I wouldn't take up with a ranger. Then who would you take up with? asked Strider. A fat innkeeper that only remembers his own name because people shouted at him all day. They cannot stay in the pony forever. They cannot go home. They've got a long road before them.
1: Will you go with them and keep the black-clad men away? Me?
0: Leave Bree? I wouldn't do that for any money said Mr. Butterbeard, looking really scared. "'But why can't you stay here and quiet for a bit, Mr.
1: Undhill? What are all these queer goings on? What are these black men after? Where do they come from, I'd like to know?'
0: "'I'm sorry, I can't explain it all,' answered Frodo. "'I'm tired and very worried, and it's a long tale. But if you mean to help me, I ought to warn you that you will be in danger as long as I'm in your house. These black riders... I'm not sure, but I think I I fear they come from. They come from Mordor," said Strider in a low voice. "From Mordor, Barliman, if that means anything to you." "Save us all!" cried Mister Butterbur, turning pale. The name evidently was known to him. This the worst news has come up to Bree in my time. It is," said Frodo. "'Are you still willing to help me?' "'I am,' said Mr. Barber. Hmm.
1: "'More than ever, though I don't know what the larks of me can do up against... Uh, uh, "'Against... Uh,
0: uh. "'Against the shadow in the east,' said Strider quietly. "'Not much, Barberman, but every little bit helps. "'You can let Mr. Underhill stay here tonight as Mr. Mm-hmm. Underhill.' And you can
1: forget the name of Baggins until he's far away. I'll do that, said Butterbur. But they'll find out that he's here without help from me, I'm afraid. It's a pity Mr. Baggins drew attention to himself this evening. T- to say no more, the story that Mr. Bilbo's going off has been heard before tonight in Bree. Even our nob has been doing some guessing up his slow pate. There are
0: others in Bree quicker on the uptick than he is. Well, we can only hope that the riders won't come back yet,' said Frodo. "'I hope not, indeed,' said
1: Butterbur. "'But spooks or no spooks, they won't get in the ponies so easy. "'Don't you worry till morning. Noble say no word. "'No black-clad man shall pass my doors while I stand on my legs. "'Me and my folk will keep watch tonight, "'but you'd best get some sleep if you can.'
0: "'In any case, we must be called at dawn.' "'said Frodo. "'We've got to get off as early as possible. "'Breakfast at six-thirty, please.' "'Right. "'I'll see to
1: the orders,' said the landlord. "'Good night, Mr. Baggins. Underhill Underhill uh, hill, on the hill, I should say. "'Good night. "'Oh, bless me. "'Where's your
0: Mr. Brandybuck?' "'I... "'I don't know,' said Frodo, with sudden anxiety. "'They had forgotten all about Mary, and it was getting late. "'I'm afraid he's out. "'He said something about going for a breath of air.' "'Well, you do
1: want looking after him, no mistake. "'Your party might be on a holiday,' said Butterbur. "'I must go and bar up the doors quick, "'but I'll see that your friend is let in when he comes.
0: Oh, "'I'd better send Nob out to look for him. "'Good night to all of you.' "'At last Mr. Butterbur went out, "'with another doubtful look at Strider under a shake of his head. "'His footsteps retreated down the passage. "'Well,' said Strider, when are you going to open that letter Frodo looked carefully at the seal before he broke it it seemed certainly to be gandalf's inside written the wizard's strong but graceful script was the following message a prancing pony Bree,
1: midyear's day shire year 1418 dear frodo "'Bad news has reached me here. I must go off at once. "'You had better leave Bag End soon and get out of the Shire before the end of July at latest. "'I shall return as soon as I can, and I will follow you if I can find that you are gone. "'Leave a message for me here if you pass through Bree. "'You can trust the landlord, Butterbur. "'You may meet a friend of mine on the road, a man, lean, dark, tall, by some called Strider.' He knows our business and will help you. Make for Rivendell. There is hope that we may meet again. If I do not come, Elrond will advise you. Yours in haste, Gandalf. P.S. Do not use it again for whatever reason. Do not travel by night. P.P.S. Make sure that it is the real Strider. There are many strange men on the roads. His true name is Aragorn. All that is gold does not glitter, not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither, deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken, a light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken, the crownless again shall be king." P P P S. I I hope Butterbur sends this promptly. "'A worthy man but his memory is like a lumber roam. "'Thing wanted, always buried. "'If he forgets, I shall roast him. Farewell.'
0: "'Frodo read the letter to himself, and then passed it to Pippin and Sam. "'Really, old Butterbur has made a mess of things,' he said.' He deserves roasting. If I'd got this at once, we might have been safe in Rivendell by now, but what can have happened to Gandalf? He writes as if he were going into great danger. He's been doing that for many years, said Strider. Frodo turned and looked at him thoughtfully, wondering about Gandalf's second postscript. Why didn't you tell me you were Gandalf's friend at once? He asked. It would have saved time. Would it? "'Would any of you have believed me until now?' said Strider. "'I knew nothing of this letter. "'For all I knew,
1: I had to persuade you to trust me without proofs, if I was to help you. "'In any case, I did not intend to tell you all about myself at once. "'I had to study
0: you first, and make sure of you. "'The enemy has set traps for me before now. "'As soon as I had made up my mind, I was ready to tell you whatever you asked.' "'But I must admit,' <laughs> he added with a queer laugh, "'I hoped you wouldn't take me for my own sake. "'A hunted man sometimes wearies of distrust and longs for friendship. "'Oh. "'I
1: hoped that you would take me for my own sake. "'A hunted man sometimes wearies of distrust and longs for friendship.' but there I
0: believe my looks are against me. (laughs) (laughs) They are, at first sight, at any rate, laughed Pippin with sudden relief after reading Gandalf's letter. But handsome is as handsome does, as we see in the shire, and I dare say that we all look much the same after lying for days in hedges and ditches. It
1: will take
0: more than a few days or weeks or years of wandering in the wild to make you look like Strider, he answered. And you would die first, unless you're made of sterner stuff than you look to be. Pippin subsided, but Sam was not daunted, and he still eyed Strider dubiously. "'How do we know that you're the Strider that Gandalf speaks about?' he demanded. "'You never mentioned Gandalf till this letter came out. You might be a play-acting spy, for all I can see, trying to get us to go with you. You might have done the real Strider and took his clothes.' What have you to say to that? I say that you're a stout fellow, answered Strider. But I'm afraid my only answer to you, Sam Gamgee, is this. If I had killed the real Strider, I could kill you. And I should have killed you already without so much talk. If I was after the ring, I could have it now. He stood up and seemed suddenly to grow taller. In his eyes gleamed light. Keen and commanding. Throwing back his cloak, he laid his hand on the hilt of a sword that had hung concealed by his side. They did not dare to move. Sam sat wide-mouthed, staring at him dumbly. But I am the real Strider, fortunately, he said, looking down at them with his face softened by a sudden smile. I am Aragorn, son of
1: Arathorn. And if by life or death I can save you, I will.
0: There was a long silence. At last Frodo spoke with hesitation. I believe that you were a friend before the letter came, he said. Or at least I wished to. You have frightened me several times tonight, but never in the way that servants of the enemy would. Or, or so I imagine— I think that one of his spies would, uh, well, seem fairer and feel fouler, if you understand. (laughs) I see, laughed Strider. I look foul and feel fair, is that it? All that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. Did the verses apply to you, then? asked Frodo. I could not make out what they were about but how did you know that they were in Gandalf's letter if you've never seen it? I did not know, he answered, but I am Aragorn, and those verses go with that name. He drew out his sword, and they saw that the blade was indeed broken, a foot below the hilt. Not much use is it, Sam, said Strider, but the time is near when it shall be forged anew. Sam said nothing. Well said Strider. With Sam's permission, we will call that settled. Strider shall be your guide. We shall have a rough road tomorrow. Even if we are allowed to leave Bree unhindered, we can hardly hope now
1: to leave it unnoticed. But I shall try to get lost as soon as possible.
0: I know one or two ways out of Breeland other than the main road. If once we shake off the pursuit, I shall make for Weathertop. Weathertop! Said Sam, "What's that?" It is a hill, just to the north of the road, about halfway from here to Rivendell. It commands a wide view all round, and there we shall have a chance to further look about us. Gandalf will make for that point if he follows us. After the top, our journey will become more difficult, and we shall have to choose between various dangers. When did you last see Gandalf? asked Frodo. Do you know where he is, or what he's doing? Strider looked grave. I do not know, he said. I came west with him in the
1: spring. I have often kept watch on the borders of the Shire in the last few years, when he was busy elsewhere. He seldom left it unguarded.
0: We last met on the first of May. At Sam Ford down the Brandywine, he told me that his business with you had gone well, and that you would be starting for Rivendell in the last week of September. As I knew he was at your side, I went away on a journey of my own, and that has proved ill, for plainly some news reached him, and I was not at hand to help. I'm troubled. For the first time since I have known him, we should have had messages, even if he could not come himself. When I returned many days ago, I heard the ill news. The tidings had gone far and wide that Gandalf was missing, and the horsemen had been seen. It was the elven folk of Gildor that told me this, and later they told me that you had left your home. But there was no news of your leaving Buckland. I've been watching the East Road anxiously. "'Do you think the Black Riders will have anything to do with it? "'With—with with Gandalf's absence, I mean?' asked Frodo. "'I do not know anything else that could have hindered him except the enemy itself,' oh, said Strider. "'But do not give up hope. Gandalf is greater than you folk, know. "'As a rule you only see his jokes and toys, but this business of ours will be his greatest task.' <sighs> Pippin yawned. I am sorry, he said, but I'm dead tired. In spite of all the danger and worry, I must go to bed, asleep where I sit. What is that silly fellow, Mary? It would be the last straw if we had to go out in the dark to look for him. At that moment they heard the door slam. Then feet came running along the passage. Mary came in in a rush, followed by Nob. He shut the door hastily and leaned against it. He was out of breath. They stared at him in alarm for a moment before he gasped. <sighs> I've seen them, Frodo. I've seen them. Black riders. Black riders, cried Frodo. Where? Here. In in the village. I stayed indoors for an hour and then as you didn't come back I went out for a stroll. I had come back again and was standing just outside the light of the lamp looking at the stars. Suddenly I shivered and felt something horrible creeping near. There was a, uh, some shade, a uh, deeper dark, among the shadows
1: across the road, just beyond the edge of the lamplight. It slid away, at once, into the dirt, without a sound. There was no horse.
0: "'Which way did it go?' asked Strider, suddenly and sharply. Mary startled, looking at the stranger for the first time. "'Go on,' said Frodo. "'This, this is a, a, a friend of Gandalf's. I'll explain it later. "'They seem to make off up the road, eastward.' continued Mary. I tried to follow. Of course, it vanished almost at once, but I went round the corner on as far as the last house on the road. Strider looked at Mary with wonder. You have a stout heart, he said, but it was foolish. I didn't know, said Mary. Neither brave nor silly, I think. I I could hardly help myself. I seemed drawn somehow. Anyway... I went and suddenly I heard voices by the hedge. One was muttering, the other one was whispering or hissing. I, I, I couldn't hear a word, it said. I didn't creep any closer cause I began to tremble all over and, and then I felt terrified. And I turned back and I was about to bolt home and then something came up behind me and I, 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 I fell over. I found him, sir, put in Nob. Mr. Butterbur sent me out with a lantern. I went down to the West Gate and then back up towards South Gate. Just nigh Bill Fernie's house, I thought I could see something in the road. Couldn't swear to it, but it looked to me as if two men were stooping over something, lifting it up. I gave a shout. When I got there, the spot there were no signs of him, and only Mr. Brandy put lying on the roadside. Oh, he seemed to be asleep. I thought I'd fallen into deep water, he says to me, and then I shook him, very queer he was, as soon as I roused him, he got up and ran back here like a hare. I'm afraid that's true, said Mary, though I don't know what I said. I had an ugly dream, which I can't remember. I went to pieces. I don't know what came over me. I do, said Strider. The black breath. The riders must have left their horses outside and passed through the south gate in secret. They will know all the news by now, for they've visited Bill Fernie, and probably that southerner was a spy as well. Something may happen in the night before we leave Bree. What, what will happen? said Mary. Will they attack the inn? No, I think not, said Strider. They're not all here yet, and in any case, that's not their way. In dark and loneliness they are the strongest, they will not openly attack a house where there are lights and many people, not until they're desperate. Not while all the long leagues of Ariador still lie before us, but their power is in terror, and already some in Bree are in their clutch, they will drive these wretches to some evil work, Fernie and some of the strangers, and maybe the gatekeeper too. They had words with Harry at the Westgate on Monday. I was watching them. He was white and shaking when they left him. We seem to have enemies all around, said Frodo. What are we to do? Stay here. Do not go to your rooms. They're sure to have found out which those are. The Hobbit rooms have windows looking north and close to the ground. We will all remain together and bar this window and the door. But first. "'Nob, and I will fetch your luggage.' "'While Strider was gone, Frodo gave Mary a rapid account of all that had happened since supper. "'Mary was still reading and pondering Gandalf's letter when Strider and Nob returned. "'Well, masters,' said Nob, "'I've ruffled up the claws and put a bolster down the middle of each bed. (laughs) "'I've made a nice imitation of your head with a brown woollen mat, Mr. uh, 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 Underhill, sir,' he added with a grin. Pippin laughed. <laughs> very lifelike, he said. But what will happen when they've penetrated the disguise? We shall see, said Strider. Let us hope to hold the fort until morning.
1: Good to see ye,
0: said Nob, and went off to take his part in the watch on the doors. Their bags and their gear they piled on the parlour floor. They pushed a low chair against the door and shut the window. Peering out, Frodo saw that the night was still clear. The sickle was swinging bright above the shoulders of Bree Hill. He then closed and barred the heavy inside shutters and drew the curtains together. Strider built up the fire and blew out the candles. The hobbits lay down in their blankets with their feet toward the hearth, but Strider settled himself in the chair against the door. They talked for a little while, for Mary still had several questions to ask. "'Jumped over the moon!' chuckled Mary as he rolled himself into his blanket. <laughs> "'Very ridiculous of you, Frodo, but I wish I'd been there to see. The worthies of Bray will be discussing it a hundred years hence.' "'I hope so,' said Strider. Then they all fell silent. And one by one, the hobbits dropped off to sleep. (laughs) <laughs> oh boy oh boy everybody an exciting time that is our last chapter for the evening but i will remind you we do this every thursday come on now if you want to read uh some of these back, if you want to listen to some of these back episodes go ahead and use the playlists command um you can find these uh all sorts of places, and that is a a c- collection of all the different playlist spots. But if you're looking for this, just look for flying sidecar wherever you get your podcasts. Um look for flying sidecar. Uh we do uh we we read and we also discuss these at length. So uh everybody, thank you so very much for joining me here. Linktree slash scs playlists. L-I-N-K-T-R dot e slash s c s playlists. That's going to include uh, the links to... uh, I've got three different podcasts currently online. Um, I have got a YouTube channel. I've got all sorts of different stuff. Um, You can find... There are the links to Harry Potter, Percy Jackson, The Hunger Games, uh, tabletop RPG stuff, including our two uh, uh, campaigns, which have gone on for over a year now, and then some smaller... We did a a Halloween four-shot a few years ago. Um, The Great Gatsby, Frankenstein, Christmas Carol, The Hobbit, Murder on the Orient Express, Telltale Heart, Dagon, and... More, Y'all, we have done a ton of reading here. Uh, at uh, one of our recent calculations, I, I have cleared 2 million words with you all. I have read 2 million words to you all, and that does not count the tabletop RPG stuff. That's just the calculable word count. Um, uh, dramatically more than 2 million words. I think I'm north of like 2 million some hundred thousand words. Um, but yes, all the chatting, that is that is exclusively the words read off the page to you. And that only counts at once, because I have had to do some rereads for things. Whew. Whew, I got the hiccups. Everybody. A bit of a cliffhanger for this evening. Chapter 11 is titled A Knife in the Dark. And next week we shall see what that means. <laughs> what this means indeed. So we have met Strider. Um. We met Strider, and uh, as with all good characters, he is introduced along with a line of poetry about him that it just exists in the world. Um, really, if you're an author, you should be doing this for all of your characters. I'm absolutely joking. This is such a wild way to introduce a character. Hey, here's Strider. He's like, um, he's like kind of a like if we were to consider this modern day, right? You you go into a, um, you, you're trying to do a a kind of a cross country road trip because, I mean, this is kind of what Percy Jackson does by itself. But let's 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 talk about this for a second. I'm in Southern California here, right? I've heard that uh, I have to take my cell phone, and I have to go ahead and chuck it into the fire at the top of the Statue of Liberty, right? So I'm taking a road trip. I get to like, I get to like uh, Vegas, right? And I, I don't want to go into Vegas, but I go just outside of Vegas, and uh, and like I would love to say hi to um, to Mike Steele, but unfortunately Mike has his letter has not reached me and so mike mike is nowhere to be seen he was kind of supposed to guide me through this area and i don't i don't know where mike is he was supposed to come meet me in california and then bring me out there i don't know where mike is so instead of meeting up with mike uh, i go to a like a gas station essentially or like a little dive bar it's a gas station with a taco bell attached to it i go to the gas station with the taco bell attached to it and i walk in and there is a dude in like a hunting jacket um, that just sort of like sits in the corner and just stares at me for forty five minutes, and he stares at me for forty five minutes, and uh, he sees me take a huge tumble trying to do skateboard tricks on the floor, and then he comes up to me and says, "Hey, I'm Strider. Uh, you have to, you gotta bring me along on the rest of your road trip." What? Okay. I mean, okay. Now hold on. Time out. Uh, and then, by the way, I get—I get, I finally get the letter from Mike Steele, the manager of the Taco Bell. Comes up and hands me—he—he, uh, he, Mike Steele texted this manager, and he holds out his phone to me, and I read out all of this about Mike Steele, and then the, <laughs> or about about this dude in the the hunting vest, um, and then this text message ends with a poem about the dude in the hunting vest that I've just met, but Mike Steele sent me this poem, so it's got to be good, right? I guess can we. Okay, hold on. Uh, And the poem says about this dude in a hunting vest who just introduced himself after staring at me for 45 minutes in the back of a Taco Bell uh, and saying, hey, I need you to bring me along to come and throw your cell phone at the Statue of Liberty. The poem reads at the end of this text message, and of course, it's got to become a multimedia message because it's too long, uh, because there are three postscripts all that is gold does not glitter, not all those who wander are lost, the old that is strong does not wither, deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken, a light from the shadows shall spring, renewed shall be blade that was broken, the crownless again shall be king. And the uh this man in his hunting vest says, Oh, yeah, those uh my name is my name is um Uberdale, and uh those sort of those those that poem does go along with the name uberdale. um that's one of my names is uberdale and those that poem is like a, the uberdale poem. um and i'm supposed to go okay, help me chuck my phone at the statue of liberty. come on like hop into our uh minivan with our green minivan with the the <laughs> with the red driver quarter panel um because i did get hit when i first got my driver's license um So what's the deal here? We are introduced to a character that, as far as I can tell, none of the other characters here have had an introduction that involved a poem about them. And a poem that is just apparently, like, out there in the world. It would be like Uberdale saying, like, yeah, that poem is about me, and also he turns on the radio and someone is reading this poem. It's like like NPR, it's not, you know, like, top 40s, but NPR is like reading this, this poem, uh, and, and it's titled Uberdale. Um, what, what is this character interaction? Um, and this introduction that we get to Strider? Aragorn, this is apparently an important person, right? If there is poetry about a person, I think we can assume that they are important unless the whole thing is poetry. Like we're talking about the Odyssey or Beowulf or something. Uh, (laughs) There is, this is, this is a crazy thing to find right uberdale in the taco bell um but no aragorn this this character introduction um involves a lot a lot more information than we would get and yet also a lot less right consider how anxious this makes frodo at the beginning we don't know who is Strider? Where he comes from? Why he's here? Why does he want to pay so much attention to the hobbits? Why does he know about the hobbits? Why does he seem to understand both Frodo's real name and the nature of the ring somewhat? We don't know any of this and this suddenly it's explained all right in a row and then some. And all that additional explanation gives us actually more questions than we had going into it. Very, very strange. Um... All that is gold does not glitter, not all those who wander are lost. This is like this is such like incredible first blush information. Not a lot of people make I'm so glad y'all enjoyed that. I w- I want you to know that I am over here reveling in it trying to like act cool like I didn't just <laughs> just spin that off the dome like a maniac. Um uh, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um but uh, uh um uh, very rarely do we get this first impression of a character. So let's make this kind of our chatter break here after after our reading for today I want to talk about what these things mean so let's let's talk first actually you know what let's back up a little bit from the poem, just a little little bit into uh, the additional paragraph um, you may meet a friend, of, a friend of mine on the road a man lean dark tall by some called strider okay lean dark and tall we kind of knew that already he knows our business and will help you okay <laughs> what what he knows our business and will help you this coming from gandalf is a huge deal right the fact that this this is a this is this this like uberdale in the in the hunter's vest in the corner of the taco bell he knows the terrible mission that i'm supposed to go on because i guess my phone has the nuclear detonation codes there we go more lore in this terrible soliloquy um Uh, my phone somehow has got the, the nuclear detonation codes in it. Um, and Uberdale, uh, has, Mike Steele has apparently seen fit to tell Uberdale about these nuclear codes. That means that this person ain't just some dude sitting in a Taco Bell, right? That, that much becomes pretty darn clear pretty quickly. Um... Make for Rivendell. Oh, he knows our business and will help you. We know who Gandalf is, right? We know we know what his deal is. And then there's like there's Butterbur. Let me see. What does he say of Butterbur? Um. Uh. You've met the landlord. Uh. It it simply says you can trust the landlord, right? That's one thing to say about somebody, is you can trust them. But then he knows our business and will help you. That means that Gandalf, a, a person of both immense power and with the understanding of what we are going up against um says hey this strider guy he ha- he will not only willingly have uh, uh, he will willingly help you but also he will have the power and agency to do so whoever uberdale is um he's a big deal and by the way here's this poem so now we get into it <laughs> now that we get into it uh, that there is poetry about this person about this this weirdo in the taco bell all that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. Okay, so already kind of undercutting some of the rumors that we've been talking about here um, uh, with the rangers, right? So much of the, the lore that we know in the world is true about these rangers is that, oh, they're weird and they're from wild parts and you know Sam doesn't trust them um, because they're, they're never good folk who come out of the wilds and, and sort of wander around in there. Um, Mr. Butterbur seems equally skeptical of uh, of... of not just strider but also rangers in general but we see that all that is gold does not glitter okay i mean gold that's pretty significant whoever this is this is like it's not just like you know steel can sometimes get rusty we're talking about gold here this is a this is a person who is not just of neutral importance but of high importance not all those who wander are lost okay so we're supposed to look at these rangers a little differently now the old that is strong does not wither deep roots are not reached by the frost okay so i mean strider definitely mentioned he's older than he seems here right now right okay how much older are we talking are we talking like tom bombadil old how 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 much on the lookout should we be for like this guy can we give him the ring like we could to tom bombadil would that work from the ashes, a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Whoa. Okay, so now we got some action. Before it was just like, yeah, you know, sometimes unexpected stuff is pretty dope. Uh, and now uh, it's it's like the a new age is dawning about Uberdale. Go out to his his truck. It's got a sweet lift kit. Uberdale. Uh, is going to usher in a new age. Something, some, some sort of epoch is is conjured around Uberdale. This weirdo in the back of the Taco Bell. From the ashes, a fire will be woken. What ashes? Okay. And, and these are things that we're gonna have to look out for in the future, right? These are not things that we get to we get to know immediately. We don't know what ashes uh Strider comes from. We don't know where he's from. Um, But apparently, he comes from something significant and will once again sort of make something significant out of those origins. And a light from the shadows shall spring. We definitely know that this individual is... Well, I should say we know that the world around us is getting darker right we we've been hearing about uh, whisperings in Bree, and you know we've watched as uh the 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 gatekeeper is being a little bit more hostile a little bit more questioning than usual all of this is pointing to kind of what gandalf has already mentioned explicitly a number of times which is that the world is getting darker yeah early rose it's got a trailer hitch and it's got some it's got sweet flames painted on it it's got a, it actually does have a fifth wheel already in it that's not important that's not that doesn't really that's not really a part of our deal here um but then finally this poem goes on to say renewed shall be blade that was broken the crownless again shall be king and uberdale points over our shoulders at the taco bell manager's phone and says yeah that's actually about me um Not a big deal. Uh, Right now, we should just sort of chill because uh, there is the most wretched biker gang on its way right here to meet you. Um, There are the remnants of the Hell's Angels are on their way to this Taco Bell, uh, which means we may want to go over to the Pizza Hut across the street um, and just sort of wait it out there. And so me and uh, Uberdale head over to the Pizza Hut across the street um, and just sort of peek out the windows to see if the Hells Angels come up to the Taco Bell. All of this is an incredible character introduction for this for this individual who we, we must, must assume is going to be vastly important, even if it weren't for that last line, right? Even if we cut off the last line of that poem, uh, all of this is just, it's incredible. Um, And so, with all of this character introduction, I will simply tell you all, keep an eye on Strider, a.k.a. Uberdale. This has been fun, everybody. Who else is having fun? (laughs) Yeah, Van, I hope you enjoy this later on. Uh, Sofa Love says, I'm so invested in this Uberdale AU. Yeah, no, we're going to have to... I'm gonna have to talk to my cousin about this. This is the sort of stuff he would love. My cousin Seth would be super into this. Um, uh, yeah. So we're gonna go. <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and keep an eye out for Strider. What is Strider's deal, and uh, why do we have poetry written by a written about a person who seems to all that they do is wander the wastes and sort of show up every couple of years bearing strange news. It seems. Yeah, uh, this is a person who seems unnaturally disconnected with the world, and yet this poem explicitly talks about like deep roots not reached by the frost, and uh, ushering in a new age. Someone who is so separated from the world on the outside, and you know, we watch as as Strider is so separated from the world, and yet this Aragorn figure, of which these poems are about, which these poems are written, appears to be a big deal. There we go, folks. I'm going to have to go ahead and capture my my Uberdale rant at some point, aren't I? I'll have to pop that into some highlights. <laughs> I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I certainly did as well. Um, maybe, maybe, y'all might have to remind me about Uberdale because I, I might not remember Uberdale next week, but maybe I can continue to make some analogies. <laughs> visa a uberdale and we can just sort of write our parody of the lord of the rings in parallel with reading it here and we can just sort of write that together um i don't know what sort of lot lizard shelob is going to end up being but uh and good grief getting into Gollum. look not important right now not important at the moment we will have to we will have to come back to this next time um everybody this has been absolutely grand uh, I do hope that you all have a fantastic evening, uh, don't forget what we do here, uh, all sorts of stuff. My name is Sam, this is Sidecar Stories, and uh, on Tuesdays we've got Vintage Sidecar currently reading through Sherlock Holmes, on Wednesday we've got side Uh currently uh, uh, heisting a city, heisting a little gate town um, in our campaign Night School at Vesperal Academy where Chat is playing uh, a young ghost, and I am playing a young Lycan, and the two of us are trying to make it in the world at this secret school at Castle Vespero. On Thursdays, of course, we are reading through The Lord of the Rings and uh, interspersed throughout the week when I can afford the time to do it, uh, because of course, man, oh man, am I ever behind on my editing. I hate editing. I hate it so much. I hate it so much. I hate it very much. Um... And, uh, as I hate it so much, um, I still have to do it. And so I do that instead of what I would like to be doing, which is some of our late night streams, which will come up. Uh, we of course have the lore heavy playthrough of the Oblivion game, uh, otherwise called just Oblivion and <laughs> not the Oblivion gang. Um, we've got Oblivion. Uh, we are doing a lore heavy playthrough. Have not had a couple of episodes of that in a while, but that's not my play on the late night when I have got nothing else to do. Like I said not a lot of that recently uh, and then when Cass and I uh, sort of hang out and watch some TV together I will do some silent streams with some sweet lo-fi backdrops and uh, do some do some crafting um, I'm currently working on a one foot by one foot diorama in preparation for a four foot by six foot diorama uh, and I should add that's going to be about a foot and a half tall in some places um, of the Shire I have never done a project this um uh Uh, audacious before and so uh, I am I I needed to do some test pieces I'm developing out like part of it I'm developing out one of my own techniques and materials called holodeck h-o-l-l-o-w and uh, yeah so if you want to keep my keep up with my progress on that uh, of course you can watch those I don't know if they'll ever be vods um, frankly I don't know if I'm gonna have the time for them once it's done then I will like start to consider maybe making those uh, available on like YouTube or something, but at, at the very basics, you can keep it up with the photos that I post over in Discord, um, uh, in the Creativity Channel, I've got a thread underneath the Creativity Channel, find the threads there, find them, yeah, Orly Rose, I like that, <laughs> well, but we've also said it's Mike Steele though, is the trouble, <laughs> Grizzled lifelong trucker Mike Steele. Although, frankly, I think it would be kind of cool for for the wizard figure to be, um, like the the grizzled old trucker angle is absolutely great. But I, I would also love to see, like the the wise wizard is like a real punk, which I don't know everything about Mike Steele, but I definitely know that Mike Steele has got some punk in him, um, and it, like like uh like a like a genuine punk, um. I think that would be a cool one alright we're writing our own thing here everybody it's been fabulous Orly Rose, Gwen Dogg, good courage Frodeus Fade feel free to continue this discussion over in discord um linktree slash sidecar stories l-i-n-k-t-r dot E-E slash sidecar stories uh head on over there head over to the discord um where we've got channels dedicated to this to rpgs to Sherlock Holmes to all sorts of stuff uh love to see you over there and of course don't forget folks the the most new exciting project in the sidecar stories uh universe I guess is of course the Realms of Versedis RP and adventure server. If you are not RPing over there now, what are you even doing? We've just opened up a new zone. Uh it's the Arena District, you know, from our first year-long campaign. Uh it has got old uh, arena uh, uh arena campaign lore over there. We are just coming straight off it's a, it's a been a couple of years uh since the events from campaign 1 and we're picking right back up with it. Everybody how exciting thank you all so much for joining me here if you would like to join the raid don't forget i want to see some hype in chat when we head on over to whoever we're going to raid to Uh, i want to see some hype in chat i want to see that o equals yo don't forget o equals capital Y O. that's our little that's our little motorcycle y'all ready to head on over there we're gonna go and hang out with girls run these worlds everybody it's been fantastic i will see you all later on uh hang with me here like i said i want to see some i want to see some good hype over there um follow the rules be respectful but but let's come in hot let's come in with some good hot energy here everyone it's been grand i'll see you all later on